What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I'm doing very well. This is our second take at episode four of season three of Atlanta Zone, an Atlanta sports podcast. I'm, I'm really glad you let the uh, users at home who are keeping track of all these things know exactly where we are. I think they're much less confused uh, now than they were, you know, before the episode started. So I really appreciate you shedding some light. Down. Well, I'm sure someone's out there keeping score. Oh, yeah. Um, episode, what, 77? I think we're actually, like, in the 90s maybe right now. I have to double check. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's solid. But Graham and I made an attempt at this this weekend. It didn't go too well. No. Um, so we know when to scrap it. We're not trying to put complete trash out there. Um, so if our head's not in there and we don't want to listen to what we're saying, why would you? Exactly. We, we did you a courtesy. Yeah. So you can thank us after the show if it's decent. If it's not, then we'll just scrap it. We'll just scrap it. Yeah. Maybe we'll never release an episode ever again. <laughs> we just lost our mojo. Yeah. Uh, no, but good to be back, Graham. Um, I feel like we have... Some things to talk about as well. Lots on, happened. On many fronts. Lots happened since we last talked. Um, tons of stuff going on. And one thing I really want to I want to touch on before we you know get too deep in anything is just how disappointing um, Austin Riley's been. Um, I mean, when you look at the amount of rookies that have come up here and just struggled the way he has, it's pretty unparalleled. Especially considering that before last night when he hit that miracle three-run homer uh, to put us ahead against the Pirates, he had gone like five at-bats without a home run. I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. Well, not only that, but there's been one other major leaguer in the history of the game who has hit, who's had more RBIs uh, quicker. Like, he's Austin Riley's at 25, and one other person in the history of the major leagues did that quicker than him. So that's that's just garbage. It's pathetic. And you got to remember, too, RBI is not a true uh, measurement of a player's value to his team. So it's like, if you can't hit a home run, um, you know, every game, then... I don't really care. I mean, if you're doing it every other game, what the fuck's that doing for the team? Yeah, clearly doesn't belong. Clearly need Ender back. Yeah, like... Really badly. I think Ender's bat, him hitting it off the end of the bat, finding holes in the infield, using his elite speed to uh, get to second base on some of those hits. Uh, You know, we really just missed that. And ever since Ender's been gone, this team seemingly has had no hope. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah we've, we've really gone downhill. Yeah, it's just it's just pathetic. And this experiment needs to stop. And uh, in all seriousness, Austin Riley's on another planet, and we are blessed to have him on this team. This is – I've never seen anyone do this well. Yeah, who, Hugo, Hugo, just so it's clear, all that was sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, Austin Riley's been hitting very well. Unbelievable. 18 games, 9 home runs. And these home runs have been huge. They've been huge in the sense that they have – Put us, you know, ahead in critical moments. I don't really remember a game when he hit a home run where it was not really a big deal, or it was just like, oh, it was your solo home run, and it didn't make a big impact in the game. Like he's coming up with timely hits that are helping the team astronomically. I mean, without him, especially in the month of May, considering how the team kind of struggled hitting the ball collectively, other than him and Freeman. I mean, without him, who knows where we are in the standings right now. You know, I know the pitching's been a little better, but I mean, he just comes up with clutch hit after clutch hit after clutch hit. Most of them have been bombs. So he, he's what, like seventy at bats in now, something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, seventy-one. Seventy-one. Yeah. Um, 
So we keep expecting a regression, and it's he's not going to stay this high. No. Uh, and the strikeouts have been problematic, well, but he has more strikeouts than he does hits. So keep that in mind. But as as long as he's consistently hitting home runs, not I mean not at this pace. This pace is absurd. Right. But if I mean you keep hitting home runs like this, you're going to win us some ball games, and we can live with the strikeouts. Yeah. And the defense has gotten better. He made one really bad play. Uh, I can't remember when it was. I think it was last week. That was that Sunday we watched. It's that Sunday Cardinals game, the best. Uh, game of the year, I thought so far. Where we came back down three nothing in the in the ninth, which was amazing. But he made a really bad play in that game. Other than that, I've seen improvement on defense. I've seen him running for balls. I think him and Acuna are getting better at communicating mm-hmm. in the outfield. So that's been good to see. And um, got nothing but good things to say about the kid. I mean, I, I love his approach. And every home run is a fucking shot. I mean, that ball he hit last night was about five feet outside, and he just crushed it. It was an opposite field home run, like six, seven rows deep. What do you think about? Um Chernoff's nickname that he's trying to push out there oh, for him. Big, uh, big river. Big river. I like it. I kind of like yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that's fitting. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a big dude. I love. I, I mean, just love him hitting there at fifth in the lineup. Well, he's been hitting sixth mostly. Fifth last night. Was he fifth? I thought. Yeah, uh, I think he's been moved up to fifth. Oh no, you're right. You're yeah, right. No, Marquez was up. fifth. Marquez was. I fifth. don't know why he hasn't. He's not hitting clean up or fifth at this point like I want him getting as many at bats as humanly possible and he needs to be up in the order I think to be driving in I mean he is driving in everybody but he can do it even more effectively I think if he is fifth or fourth in the lineup at this but point. if he's comfortable there it's mean, working too there's going to be people on base left and right and yeah some for someone batting sixth so yeah I'm cool with it yeah I mean it's working it's definitely working uh I mean Jesus I I have never seen a Braves player position player come up and contribute like this. Not Acuna, not Francoeur, not Andrew, not Chipper, um, not McCann, not at this rate doing this well in his first, you know, nine and 20 games. I've never seen anything like this since I've been watching Braves baseball since 1991 as a freaking infant. Yeah, he's already fourth on the team in home runs behind um, Acuna, Freddie, and Dansby um, with what, like, a fifth of the at-bats, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been, like you said, he's saved us at this point. Yeah, he's been huge. He's been some serious work. Adam, we have some uh, breaking news. There's just one over the uh, the Twitter wire. Um, Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Yeah. The Cubs sign Kimbrel. Yes. Really? Yeah. Pending physical. Yeah. Uh, the details of the deal have not been released, but we will not be getting Craig Kimbrell. And if you... We're hoping that somehow we would. Why would you be at this point, considering uh, pretty much the zero traction there's been around this, except for Braves Twitter just summing Wish, it up? Yeah, I mean, and hoping I'm, to God that it would happen. I'm, but I'm over like, it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it to happen. Even at the beginning, I thought maybe in the off season, I was like, yeah, there's a chance. But once it didn't, we didn't do it by the uh, beginning of the season. Um, it just never seemed like it was going to happen, especially with. You know, and with Anthopolis kind of doing his, his teasing like he always does when he's saying, oh, you know, we have more money for this, we have more money for that. We're still looking at guys in the market. I was like, whatever. If you would have done it, you would have done it at this point. Yeah. Screw your draft pick. Screw everything, you know? I mean, yeah. At, at this point, it'd be a little, I mean, he's not going to be in baseball shape. He wasn't th- – I mean, he's not 2013 Kimbrel. No. It's just a little scary to commit 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'd be stoked if we got him as well. I think... So this is me justifying it, but... Yeah, it doesn't save your bullpen, but it definitely lengthens your bullpen. And uh, if we would have signed him, for sure. But, I don't know. It, it, it is frustrating when you're still going out there saying, when is the other shoe going to drop for Luke Jackson or any of these other guys? Or is A.J. Mentor finally ready to come back after how well he's been pitching in AAA? If he's thrown maybe around 13 innings... I think an under one ERA, good good looking whip, or a very low ERA. Uh, he's been looking great, so I think it's only a matter of time before he comes back and replaces Blevins, who's really fallen off a cliff over the last couple of weeks. But uh, you know, back to Kimbrell, I just I don't know. They didn't want to commit the money to him. They didn't want to commit the years, and we are where we are, and that's just the way it's going to be. And I think if you want to be optimistic about it, you have to look around baseball and realize, okay, it's June at this point. Teams are starting to fall out of contention if they haven't already. Teams like the Giants who have good, you know, good bullpen pieces, and um, you know, the Rangers, other teams like that. You know, there are some good bullpen pieces out there. We can probably get serviceable bullpen guys for hopefully uh, a cheap price, as opposed to having to, you know, pony up. 15, 16, 18, 20 million dollars, whatever the hell is going to be for a season or two worth of uh, Craig Kimbrell. A guy who, you know, lost his job to Chris Sale in Game 7 of the World Series last year and wasn't really using the bullpen. So I think the Braves were concerned about that, but I also think the big I think the big picture is is that, you know, the ownership wouldn't let him spend the money, but I think there was also legitimate concerns about Kimbrell heading into the season. And the Braves weren't the only, only team not to go after him. I mean, it took literally until people wouldn't have to, you know, forfeit their draft picks for him to be signed by somebody. So it's not like this was a situation that was unique to Oh, the Braves are being cheap. I think it was everybody. No one wanted to wanted to pay Kimball what he thought he was worth. So I'm so happy he finally signed. Though we can stop speculating, stop talking. I mean, this is probably what the tenth time we've talked about it on yeah. a podcast. Yeah, and I think, but but you know, we haven't talked about it in a while just because it was like I think we knew it wasn't going to happen. So why keep speculating about it? And even when it was getting closer to that deadline of, you know, if he signs after June 3rd or 4th or whatever the date is, uh, you don't forfeit your drafting. I was like, you know, it's just not going to happen. Why so, even get your hopes up right. for it? Sounds like we are somewhat still in the running for Keuchel. Yeah, we're still in the running for Keuchel. Which, it's funny how these things keep, like I said a couple, like a month ago, this a team trying to find its identity, and like, talked to us two weeks ago, our starters were solid. Mm-hmm. Why do we need a starter? But now we see Gossman falling off his last couple starts. We see... Fulty not getting it going. We see Freed. His last two starts have been bad. He's looked very mortal, his last two starts. His location in particular has been off. He's missing the plate by like three or four feet on some of these pitches, and he was getting shellacked by the Pirates last yeah. night. I'm, I'm not worried about Freed yet. No, I mean, he's going to have – I mean, remember, he hasn't pitched yeah. that much. He's going to have some peaks and valleys, and you're going to notice the valleys a little more because the peaks have been so high. So, um, I, but at the same time – uh, yeah, you're you're exactly right in the sense that the the good amount of the rotation has struggled. I mean, Soroka has still been, but that's just in the like it, the beginning of May. Our rotation was solid as hell, but yeah. last couple of weeks it's been a little sketchy, and our bullpen has kind of stepped up. Yeah, bullpen's been better. La- last night against Pittsburgh, they go well. We didn't give up a run. I mean, they went five five scoreless. Mm-hmm. Something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, five scoreless. Um, it is funny how the bullpen. It seems like when. 
the uh, you know when we they, we absolutely need them when you know starter can't go that far. Like yeah. they really step their shit up. I, mean, I think that starts with Tukey. Tukey's yeah, think, been outstanding on the bullpen. Tukey has done well. Uh, Newcomb has solidified it some, and then your your boy Swarzak. Swarzak's looked really good. Swarzak's looked really good. Um, you know, so that that could be another example of Anthopolis kind of finding. He takes gambles with guys. That's kind of the deals he's got to make um, for very low-risk, high-reward type situations, and Swarzak could be one of those that works out. Yeah, you know, he's looked he's looked pretty good overall. Uh, and Tukey's last seven appearances, he's pitched uh, 11 innings and has only given up one run and one home run, has only walked five people and has 10 strikeouts. So he, he's looked outstanding. Uh, out of the pen, and I think this is a good spot for him. I think you keep him there. I think it's really important to keep him there um, because the bullpen needs that. The bullpen needs that long guy that can go a couple innings, and I wouldn't be surprised, you know, as the season goes along, if Tukey is also used in more high-leverage scenarios, but maybe goes a little longer. Maybe he comes in the sixth inning and pitches the sixth, seventh, and eighth, or the sixth and the seventh, or the seventh. And the, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think he can not only come in and pitch early in games, but he can come in and pitch later in games. And, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Swarzak has looked good. Um, bullpen is turning over a little bit of a new leaf here. I still don't fully trust them, and you're still going to have the, the games like, you know, the Brewers game on Sunday when they blew that lead where we had to come in and, and sort of – or not the Brewers, sorry, the uh, the Tigers game on Sunday where we blew that lead. Um, that, you know, that was induced by an error as well. True. But you're still going to have games like that where the, bull, the bullpen is never going to be as solid as you want it to be until he makes some more moves. But we're seeing things that give us – a you know, reason to have a little bit of hope. And here's the thing about baseball. Like, people like to count all these wins that we should have had if it weren't for the bullpen, that, like, a couple blown saves and all that. But you know how many wins that we have that we had no business winning? Like, that Sunday game against the Cardinals? Oh, yeah, we absolutely had no reason to win last that night, we, game. Last night seemed like a game we had no business winning. And totally. um, it goes both ways, you know? Yeah, and that's and that's very important to, to keep in mind. It's like, you always will look back at those games that you should have lost, but I that you uh, should have won, but rarely do you remember the games you should have lost. Right. So, um, so let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. But overall, I mean, the, the Braves have looked good, minus that two-game... Uh, Horrific sweep to the Nationals. Nationals. We have not lost a series since the Dodgers series in mid-May. So, uh, other than the National series. So, things are looking good. And um, the Phillies are starting to run out of steam a little bit. They're they're definitely losing a little bit more than they're winning recently. Four and six over the last ten. They lost one of those big free agent signings for the season. Yeah, McCutcheon is out for the rest of the season. So, that's going to hurt them. I tell you what, we got it. Couple trade pieces for the Phillies. I don't know if we can trade with them though. No, we can't. We cannot trade with the Phillies. You, you wouldn't want want to give them Duvall or Ender. No, absolutely not. You can't trade. I am a very big proponent of not trading with with your division if within your division if that is a team that is a threat to you. No, I mean that's that's a fair point. But it's just so. Te- I mean, we we got what they need. What they want? They need an Adam Duvall. Well, they they need another outfielder now. Yeah. I mean, they would definitely take an Ender. They would take an Ender for sure. But yeah, we can't give him Ender. No, I mean we can Ender's we can give too, them Duvall. Ender's too good defensively. Is there any news on Ender at all in terms of his progress? I, I heard he had started resuming baseball activities. I think either late last week or I've heard like no, that. I've heard nothing besides like, yeah that same little report. He's like run. Yeah, he's like run around, and that's about it. Um, I wonder what it's going to be interesting to no. see where he. I mean, he's got to plug in as a fourth outfielder now, but. 
who do you get rid of on the bench now? I mean, you got Culberson, Joyce. Camargo, Joyce. Joyce has been solid. I think man. you just got to trade Ender at this point. I don't think there's really any other option. Um, I mean, I, I think. I mean, there's Joyce is a better pinch hitting option than Ender. I would agree. I I, I think. Um, and also think Camargo's defensive versatility, even though he has been a spy defender this year a little bit, and he hasn't been hitting as well. Uh, if anyone goes down the starting lineup, he's a guy I definitely want because we know as a full-time player he can still be productive, and he and he was productive when he got more playing time this year. But Riley's been so good, you can't afford to get as bad out of the lineup at this point. And uh, we'd never like to sit Nick Marcakis, so God forbid Johan... <laughs> uh, Gets a little more consistent playing time. Well, I mean, I was gonna say the the one thing I could would not be surprised happening is Johan going to Gwinnett and getting some more playing time down there. Mm. We don't really need him right now. I I like him. I mean, the bench is such like everyone on the bench is so nice. It's got Joyce is solid. Culberson hits like there's no tomorrow. Camargo's a defensive uh, wizard who has you know ability to be a solid hitter off the bench too. Even even though I know he's struggled this year. Um, and you got either Flowers or McCann. I mean, that is depending on who's starting that night. So that, that is a solid, solid, solid bench. I saw some people today on the old infamous Braves Twitter who were complaining about Donaldson and just saying, no, let's just put Riley at third, bring up Pache, nah. and get rid of Donaldson. And it's like they're complaining about having both of those guys in the lineup at the same time. And do you remember we had... Eric, oh, I mean not Eric O'Flaherty. <laughs> well, we did have him as well, but we had Ryan Flaherty, Woof. and Renee Rivera on our postseason roster. Yeah, it wasn't last year. It wasn't good. So yeah, let's be happy about this depth. Yeah, and even though I know um, I love seeing Donaldson's bomb last night. By the way, that was awesome. Yeah, in a, in a clutch situation. Yeah, that was good. And Donaldson, you know. Hitting 253, 372 on base percentage. I just like him in the lineup, even when he's not hitting as well as you'd like him to, because he's a threat and he walks like there's no tomorrow. He already has 36 walks. There's a reason he has his his on base percentage is over 100 points better than his batting average, and it's because people are afraid to pitch to him and he has a very good eye and he gets on base a lot and he uh, you know scores a lot of runs. He's already scored 34 runs. So and that's a product of him getting on base via the walk mostly. And you know what? If you take him out of the lineup, that makes your lineup weaker. Yeah. It just it just does. Because there's not that threat there. If you replace him with Camargo, Camargo's a nice player, but he doesn't have the power threat of Donaldson. Well, it'd be Riley replacing him. Well, I'm just saying, you would have to have... If Riley replaces him, then someone's got to replace Riley in left field. Sure. Who's going who's gonna to do that? It's probably going to be Camargo. Or, or, or Culberson. Or, or whoever. Whoever replaces Donaldson is not going to be... As good as Donaldson. Yeah. He's not going to be this ominous threat. Uh... And I'm not a big sabermetrics guy myself, as you know, Graham. Um, but I did see where his average exit velocity is higher than it was in his MVP season. Yeah, I mean, I so think he's still running into some bad luck. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, his batting average this year is 339 and balls in play. So when he's making contact, it's 339. So when he's hitting the ball, he's usually getting on base. Um, he has. Struck out, and he's had some other bad luck, I think, in other areas. But uh, he he's he's just someone that makes your lineup that much more powerful, and I think he's a huge reason why we are in the position we're in offensively. I know I know he's uh, not doing everything we want him to do, not hitting a bomb uh, as much as we like, or driving a bunch of runs, or having that big moment that we keep waiting for. Um, that you know we've we've seen a couple of times at like the Cleveland series, and then 
where he, on the Sunday night baseball game, he hit two home runs in a game, and then last night he had a huge home run. But we haven't seen enough of that. But I think it's it's the stuff you're not noticing, him getting on base as much as, uh, as he is and playing solid defense, um, and then helping everyone else in the lineup by being that threat. I mean, that's, you know, paramount to our success right now to me. Remember when we had uh, – Joey Bats at third base for a little bit last year. How I I said that was such a bad move before it happened, and I was right. You were right. I was right. I need to start keeping score of uh, when you're right and when you're wrong. Usually, I, I can be wrong, but you probably have a pretty good. Uh, maybe I have a decent track record. I have no idea. At least your your batting average and balls and play is probably pretty decent. Yeah, it might be better than Chris Johnson when he hit uh, I think 421 bat average and balls in play that season. He hit 300. And yeah, we knew that wasn't going to be sustainable. Although. Frank Wren gave him like a three year extension because of that. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> he probably wouldn't have signed Ronald Acuna from the probably not. League either. Yeah. But I digress. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I totally refute anyone saying Donaldson's a loser and we need to trade him. That's good. That's, that's going to make your team worse. Um, weekly update on your boy Dansby. Dude. Still doing it. Yeah. He's doing so well. I'm so proud of him. He's playing like a number one overall pick now. He's been solidly hitting around, you know, 250, 260 the whole season. The power's been there. He has 12 home runs. 320 on base percentage. You'd like to see him, uh, you know, get that up a little more, draw a few more walks. But in terms of providing a, a, a spark at the second hole in the order right now, he's he's handled that pressure well. He's absolutely mashing left-handers right now, hitting 358. so you'd like to see that. And uh, I, I've been I've been really impressed by by Dansby the whole season and just his consistency. He hasn't been like a world beater. He hasn't killed you either. And he's uh, had some huge at bats this season that have really helped us win a lot of baseball games. And, I mean, it's all really clicked since he moved to that two hole as well. Yeah. Um, a couple of games in a row, he's he's been the one to score the big run. Freddie drove him in a couple nights ago and. I mean, it just that another thing that just lengthens our lineup so much. Something we weren't expecting, right? It makes it so much better. Riley. Yeah. Oh, you have any good rants about? Um, you hear about the pitch, Pittsburgh announcer last night talking about? Oh yeah, Acuna's Acuna. chain, golden chains, and all this stuff. I don't know. It's just more old white bullshit to me. I mean, I'm just getting <laughs> Some Joe Simpson. Yeah, it's just like you know. So they're so Acuna is different from you. So he likes to wear some chains. So. And of course, and then the thing that pissed me off the most was like he gets hit in the in the elbow, and Acuna's had some bad luck over the last couple of years of getting hit a lot, and like he looks. Oh, it's because he's got those all those chains and stuff. Oh, of course, yeah, he's just some loser uh, asshole, I guess, in in the eyes of all these old ass washed up announcers. You don't have anything better to do with their time than criticize one of the most dynamic and talented kids in baseball. Um, what really pissed me off is when though is when he did get hit and it's like, can you believe that he's just looking at I can't remember the pitcher's name, but he's looking at the pitcher like that. I mean, come on. It's like if you got hit in the elbow by like a ninety five mile per hour fastball, you wouldn't at least give a little look being like, Damn, I'm kinda pissed off by that. Not not to say that, you know, you gotta go out there and swing at the pitcher. But right. you know, I don't have a problem with just being like, damn it, that hurt. Like It's not like he's the first guy to wear an elbow guard. It's not like he's the first guy to look at a, a pitcher after being hit. 
And of course it wasn't on purpose. And I don't think Acuna was thinking it was on purpose. He was just upset they got hit because he's been hit a lot yeah. in his major league career. There's a reason he wears that big ass elbow pad. I'm glad he does. Yeah. So that that He'd probably lo- be out for the year. That loser were. Pirates announcer, whoever he is, can can bugger off as far as I, I'm concerned. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting tired of this, you know, profiling and and downputting for you know. Wearing gold chains, it's just ridiculous. Or being from a, a different country like the Ozzy Alves or, or, or whatever your, your excuse is. You, you, you seek to, you know, it really shows... You're having fun while playing baseball. Yeah, exactly. It really... It really uh, Not respecting the unspoken rules. Yeah, it really, really reveals uh, the ignorance of these, of these guys. And it's really upsetting um, to me. And I guess, you know... The whole right way to play is is different in everyone's eyes, but I mean, like God, what, you got to be so critical of a guy who wears jewelry and who gets hit in the elbow by a pitch and who's not doing anything wrong, like objectively not doing anything wrong. Like that, that guy can 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 go to hell as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm tired of this shit. And it's not just because he's our player too. It's just it's a, it's a it's a whole the old doesn't respect the young, and the young's not doing anything to disrespect the old. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a stupid scenario. Well, some old don't respect the young. Yeah, not all. I'm not trying to say everybody, but I'm just saying in these particular moments... You show a little respect as well, young man. Yeah, maybe. But in these particular moments, you really see people showing their asses and revealing, you know, some things about themselves that they, that they shouldn't. Yeah. You know? It makes you appreciate Brian Snicker. Yeah, Snicker is just he's all got, around he, nice. He's as got respect, guy. shows respect, loves his players. Yeah. Um... I mean, you can say what you want about Snicker and the, some of the managerial decisions, but you cannot deny that that's a high-character guy who loves his, his players, no matter where they're from, who they are, et cetera, et cetera. So. Here, here. Yeah. What else is going on with the, the Los Bravos, Adam? I guess we can talk about the draft and all these people. We have no idea who the hell they are. So, on the draft, I was browsing the old Braves Reddit. And came across a headline, I honestly cannot remember a worse Braves draft than this one. What in the actual hell are Dana and Alex doing? So Dana's the new guy. Uh, do you know his, He's the guy from the Astros, right? No, he's from, well, he's from the Blue Jays. He's from the Blue Jays. Maybe he came from the Astros as well. Yeah. Um, we could probably look that up. Mm-hmm. But he's an Anthopolis guy, and this is his first draft with the Braves. Mm-hmm. And... Um, People hated it, and I just didn't understand the complete outrage over, I guess, one thing to get upset about the NFL draft where, yeah, you probably watched some uh, college football and know some of these players, sure. and NFL draft's a little different because these you're expecting these people to play immediately. Yeah. But baseball, you just got to add depth. It doesn't matter what the position is. So people were, most people are okay with our, our first pick. Um, Shay Lang- Langoliers. Langoliers. Uh, yeah, he had a big uh, week before this this happened. Um, so he's a catcher out of Baylor. Yeah, catcher out of Baylor. He had like what eleven RBIs or something in one game. But yeah, he's in the, in the he, College World Series. He's known to, he, like he was known as the best defensive catcher in this draft. And I mean, he's a big think Bryce Wilson Burley. Think Austin Riley Burley. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are okay with that. Well, I, I'm happy to see us not, uh, you know, not take a pit, take a pic, a pitcher with the first draft 
uh, pick because we, we've, we've had an issue with catcher for a while. And as much as I love Flowers and Suzuki in the past and McCann coming back, it's like, what is the future of this position? You know, the guy we all wanted to uh, be the heir apparent, uh, Christian Bellencourt, flamed out of, of baseball. We all thought he was going to be some... Bettencourt. Bettencourt, sorry, some superstar. <laughs> and he was nothing. So it's like, where does this lead the franchise well, we, in terms we of got, catching position? We got Contreras... But I don't think he's hitting like people thought he was going right, to. Right, so you just don't know. There wasn't a ton of depth there, and I think adding this Langleyers guy, from what I've heard about him, um, you know, projections say he's going to be a, a decent hitter with some power, but where his prowess will really show is, is defensively, and that's the most important aspect of being a catcher in my book. So, the from what the from what the reports and the the, the, the scouting says, I think that's that's a nice pick. And they're saying he, he could be a guy who's fast tracked, like he could start at like. A ball, a ball, and like very quickly move to double A. Yeah. Um, so people are happy with that, but then our next two picks were these sh- like short stops that weren't even on a lot of draft boards to go anywhere near that early, and people are flipping out about it. So like, why are we drafting short stops? But like, you got to think a most short stops in high school are generally just like the most athletic people on the field mm-hmm. and they can play multiple positions right it's just like, because someone's drafted as a shortstop doesn't mean they're going to be a shortstop you know what else was drafted as a shortstop um chipper jones exactly cal ripkin jr right so we all know chipper played third base and yeah. mostly third base and left and then a little left field in his career so it's like just because you're drafted in a position doesn't mean anything rick and keel became a damn pitcher at one point i mean like with baseball it's 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 i'm like NBA or NFL, like you were saying, it's like you have no idea how these kids are going to do. There's plenty of kids who are top 100 picks who don't who flame out of the, of the minor leagues and never make it. And then you got guys like Albert Pujols who was drafted like the 30th round, who becomes one of the greatest ball players of all time. Yeah. So you know, bugger off with your analysis right now. So especially if you're not trained to talk baseball, we have no idea what these kids are going to do. So that that was my thought. So on this Reddit post, I said, <clears throat> I don't understand how anyone can have an informed opinion on this yet. What are you basing it off of? Mm-hmm. Expecting no one to actually respond with a informed opinion. Until Reddit user USM Lucky. I'm just going to read his post here. BDSM what now? <laughs> USM Lucky. USM. Okay. Or us, Usum Lucky. Um uh, you some lucky. Just I don't know. You some lucky. I don't know. But he came in with a fire point. Uh, maybe we should bring him on the podcast. <laughs> so he hits, he hits me with, personally, I love prospects and I love the MLB draft, which I've never heard anyone say. There are a lot of people who like, there's a great Braves podcast, actually. I think it's called Road to Atlanta. Some of the talk, talking chop guys. about do. MLB draft, huh? Yeah, they pretty much just talk about the minor leagues. So there are tons of people out there yeah. who do like that stuff. But I hear where you're coming from. Like the average guy like you or me, right. we're not paying attention as no. much to prospects and the draft. We might pay attention to the minor leagues a little, but not that aspect. Yeah. So. so he says, it's one of my favorite days of the year, <clears throat> and I put months of research on pipeline, fan graphs, and PG cross-checker to familiarize myself with as many of the top guys as possible. Jesus, I never heard of PG cross-checker. I know, right? All right. Obviously, my opinion, and, and this guy hit, I mean, he just gets a lot of respect. Keep Obviously, going. I don't give a shit about sorry, what your opinion is. Sorry, Tell sorry. Us what his opinion is. Obviously, my opinion will be more limited than a professional scout, but informed enough to get a general idea of the guys we got and the draft strategy that was implemented. So far, I've only liked two picks that we've made, and I have no idea what our strategical approach this year was. I don't understand this next sentence, Graham. You might have to help me out. We didn't go all in on a must-have prospect at nine by going over slot 
and we didn't go for a quality quantity approach by going under slot like we did in 15 and 16. Do you know what over slot and under slot is? I think no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think like over slot, I guess, is saying like read the, read the over slot sentence again. All right, I'll just read that whole thing again. Well, don't read the whole thing for Christ's sake. Just read the sentence about over slotting. Uh, we didn't go all out. We for didn't go slot. all in on a must have prospect at nine by going over trading up by going over slot. Maybe over slot is, uh, you want to say over slot? Over slot is uh, oh, something dr- where it's like you're maybe reaching for a guy that's. Oh, drafting a guy that you got to pay more money because MLB yes. drafts a little different. Yes, because so, you have to pay the money. So yeah, I think yeah. it has something to do with the. So that was yeah okay yeah the money piece. And we didn't go quality quantity approach by going under slot like we did in fifteen and sixteen. From a strategy standpoint, it's been a mess. Even if you like some of the players we got, if you're curious, the two players I really like are Michael Harris and Ricky Devito. I think we did well there. The two I hate the most are the Phillip pick and especially the Paulini pick in the fifth round. Yeah, both Phillip has been getting a lot of. Uh, a lot of hatred overall. He's another shortstop we drafted at Oregon State. Um, people are saying that yeah, if you if you didn't like uh, Brandon Shoemake or Shumake, that this Bo Phillip character is pretty much a uh, poor man's version of Shumake. Hmm. So, um, but yeah. he, he says Paulini is a guy that almost no one was talking about. I don't even think he was considered among the five best players in the state of Connecticut. And someone else raised the point. And I think we should uh, interview this man. Yeah, good on us and Lucky. Send him a uh, DM. Yeah. Um, he obviously is a lot more informed about baseball than us. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so appreciate that insight. Good thing he doesn't have a podcast. That's, that's, well, we don't know that. That's true. Uh, but that's interesting. I never thought about the strategy like that. Um, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to consider when it comes to. I mean, you know, NFL's got to consider this too with the salary cap. But I think depending on where you're drafted, you get more money. I think that's how it works in in, in baseball. Maybe I'm not exactly sure, um, but I think that's how it works. So yeah, that has to play into it uh, a little bit as well as where's your farm system at? You know, and I think we are a very pitching rich farm system. But and I don't know, and it's hard to have analysis here because I don't know who the hell is in the, well, the draft. If, but it's like I, I do wonder why, uh, just as a, from a cursory glance, like why would we draft two kind of players who are very similar at twenty one and sixty uh, when those are our next two picks after the uh, after the Langoliers catcher pick? So that that is interesting to me. I also heard that. It was just a terrible draft for pitching, and like there were only seven pitchers taken in the first round period, so it was just that's, a different draft. And that's probably why. Yeah. So you have to consider the you know the draft class. Yeah. So, but I I think we've yeah I think I mean, we, I think we, we did lost, a lot better than I thought thanks to us lucky. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I think I think we lost the audience a little bit, or at least I did. You lost me there, yeah. bub. <laughs> um. Not much else going on with the Braves. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how this Pittsburgh series winds up. Took the first game last night. Finally, the game started tonight. Uh, so, oh, see what happens. before we move on from the draft, though, yeah. one other interesting point I saw was about how um, this is only Anthopolis' second draft. In the first draft, he failed to sign the number one overall oh, pick, yes, that was Carter correct. Stewart. Yes. So that's not maybe drafting is not his forte. He went to Japan or China yeah. or something. Yeah, he's uh, trying to change up the game, which. Uh, it actually kind of makes sense because he's making his money right now. Right. 
instead of like sitting around for like six, seven years until you start making real money. Right, and then he's going to get attention. Japan's a cool place to live in. Uh, then he's probably going to be signed somebody in Major League Baseball in five, six years. Yeah. It's a very interesting tactic he's uh, taking on. And he's a Scott Boris agent, right? remember. Or Scott Boris client. Scott Boris is his client. <laughs> no. <laughs> Scott Boris is his agent. There you right? go. Third, third time's a charm. Thank you. Thank you. Scott Boris is his client. Oh, man. <laughs> that was way too much draft talk. Yeah, that was that's sort of Fr- fried, fried, by, yeah, fried yeah. our minds. Yeah. Um, not uh, I, I. You got any opinions on Tack McKinley? Just to, uh, and and his we're doing uh, a Falcons transition. Yeah, let's do a Falcons transition here. We know OTAs are going on. We know Vic Beasley's not showing up. I want to get your thoughts on Vic Beasley first, and, and him not coming to OTAs. Yeah, it's it's pretty shitty. Um, his coach, Coach Dan Quinn, who's our head coach currently, Graham. Believe it or not, I thought Mike Smith was our coach. <laughs> That's what Hugo told me. Uh, Dirk, Dirk Cutter's our offensive coordinator. That might be that confusion there. No, I mean, he's been our offensive coordinator since, like, 2012. I mean, that's, that, oh, yeah. that's just the way it is. Oh, or 2010, 11, whatever it was. According to Hugo? According to Hugo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he never left. But anyways, Vic Beasley Jr., uh, who Coach Quinn stood up for and... Signed to a $12 million yeah, one-year deal. Yes, great. Ridiculous. Well... And then he pisses in his face like this. So, Graham just finished my point. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that really rubs me the wrong way. But yeah, no, it really sucks that Dan Quinn put himself out there for a player who didn't perform last year. And then... Last two years. Yeah, last two years. And gave him a lot of money. And now he's not showing up. And that's one guy whose ass should be at OTAs. Grady Jarrett not coming to OTAs. I don't care. Julio Jones not coming to OTAs. Whatever. Like, both of those guys, especially Julio. Julio's the top... Three receiver, you can argue he's the best receiver in football. Grady's a top five defensive tackle. I don't, you know, those guys want to dick off or do their own private training programs. So be it. I'm yep. fine with that at this point. But Vic Beasley having one fluke season and then getting his twelve million dollars I did not earn, and then and then telling the organization to go fuck themselves pretty much like this is absurd. And you know what? You can make the argument of like, oh well. It's hypocritical to get mad at at, at uh, Vic, but not at Grady or Julio. You still got to be part of the team and all this stuff. Like I, I say, that's that's horseshit. I mean, I think guys are on different levels, and sometimes you, with these professional athletes, yeah, you'd like all everybody to be at a team event, but it is voluntary. But some guys should be putting the time of the team more than others. If they and if the guys that don't want to put in the time of the team are Julio Jones and Grady Jarrett, fine. But if you're Vic Beasley, you should be getting, you should be the first to arrive and the last to leave every day. Vic just seems like one of these guys, maybe, who physically, he's everything you could ever ask for. Has the potential yeah. to have all the talent in the world. I always thought he was too small. But the end. there's plenty of successful DNs that were his size. But he's just missing something, Graham. He's just missing that drive, that motivation, that Tack McKinley craziness. Um, there's just something not there, and I don't know, I don't think you can teach that. I don't think he has the want to be great. You know? Maybe um, not. And hopefully he can prove me wrong. I mean, he's done it before in 2016, but I hope he's not just one of these guys that just wants to get his money and get out, especially being a Clemson Tiger. He doesn't – I mean, I, always, I think he's a high-character guy, but just some something's missing. Maybe he's just not crazy enough. 
you gotta be a little crazy to play football. Yeah, maybe. Maybe um, it's too nice. I mean, I think it's just a classic example of, of this move coming back to bite Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov in the ass. You're going to get the same old Vic Beasley you got last year. Dan Quinn's apparently giving him homework assignments, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, what is this, third grade? What is this, uh, you know, a freaking online course? Football, you got to be there. There's no there's no working from home. I mean, this is, uh, I, I, it's a bad move for Vic. Well, well there's tape. There's tape, of course, Watch. but in terms of coming into the coming into the facility, watching film with the coach, learning on the you know, continuing to improve your craft with your coaching staff and with your teammates, I think is is, is very important to to a, to anyone's success, but particularly in, in football, especially with a guy whose career is hanging in the balance to me. Yeah, so th- this is going to be one of those annoying off season stories that we have to talk about way more than anyone wants to, um, but it, it's just going to keep lingering and lingering. Uh, and it's, it's just the way it is, Graham. It's, uh, it's unfair. It's unfair to the organization. It's unfair to the fan base. And I think uh, Vic needs to take a, a cold, hard look in the mirror. Now, of course, if he comes into the season and he has a 10-sack season and really contributes, we won't remember Yeah, this. also, none of this matters. Right. But it just sets a bad precedent. Yeah. It it's, sets a bad precedent for a guy who hasn't done anything in his career minus one season. Yeah, it's not showing that he's actively trying to make a change. Right. And if I was him... And I got $12 million based off that bullshit effort I put in last year. Maybe not bullshit effort, but bullshit performance. I can't really gauge his effort. Then I would be, you know, kissing Dan Quinn and TD's feet. I'd be saying, you tell me to jump, I'm going to say how high. Yeah, he would have gotten like a veteran minimum on the um, open market. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he was literally the worst defensive end last year. According to Fangraphs, as Austin, Austin Riley, Riley just drives in another another uh, run. That was beautiful with a beautiful Donaldson doubled. Marcakis got him over with a fly ball, and Austin Riley just drives him in. Yeah, beautiful thing. Uh, you know he's taking his craft a lot more seriously than Vic Beasley. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, moving on, I guess to Tack McKinley. Right, he had a very funny. Uh, I'm just here so I don't have to get fined. Ask Marshawn Lynch performance uh, with the media last week. Do you want to be D led and I'll be tech? Oh, yeah, that's be good. Okay. <laughs> so, Tack, I gotta ask you, man, what, what are you looking forward to coming into OTAs working with Coach Quinn? Just trying to get good. Okay, well, what do you think about, uh, being able to come in here with a new defensive line coach, and what, what do you expect to learn from him in the OTAs? It's going to be good. So what do you think happened last year with a little bit of underperformance in the, uh, during the regular season? Good. And it went on like that for about... <laughs> A minute and a half. And some guy also asked about uh, the mental health thing that happened. Unless, uh, you might have forgotten, Tack was uh, checked into a mental health facility in California. Um, the, the reasons were kind of never brought to light, but just having a little bit of uh, things going on in his head, apparently. That he wasn't doing anything illegal or wrong. He just, you know, was having a moment, I guess. And uh, he pretty much said, yeah, I'm, I'm good now. And there's, <laughs> he just said, I'm good to everything, or I need to yeah. get good, or... Or, or whatever. Uh, your thoughts on 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 tax? Uh, pretty much f you to the media. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I really don't care. Yeah. I 
I, I could go both ways on it. I, I kind of like, I mean, that's that craziness in my, a little bit of that craziness. Like he just seems mad and yeah. just wants to play football. Doesn't like that part of the job, but I get it that he's a professional, yada, yada, yada. He should, I, I mean, that's part of his job, but I don't care. Right. I, like my, my life's, I, I'm not going to enjoy watching Tack McKinley more if I get a good press conference out of him, you know, mm-hmm. like, I've never seen Alex Mack do a press conference or like there's plenty of players that are great. Like, do you remember any Deion Jones press conferences? No, not really. No, you just care. You remember what they do on the football field. Exactly. Uh, so I don't care. Yeah. I thought it was very overblown and I don't, I don't really, I thought it was funny if anything, because I think the questions the media asks are ridiculous. They're not very imaginative. They're very by the book. It's like, it would be nice to hear some better questions coming from the media first off. And I think, Tack was kind of given the middle finger about that because it's like these are predictable questions with predictable answers, and I'm just going to give you a big middle finger about it because this, this is really not worth my time. And yeah. you know what? I'm okay with that. I mean, it's kind of like a dickish thing to move because these guys got to do their job, the members of the media, D led, and, and whoever else was asking the questions. So, I mean, I understand where they're coming from from being a little miffed, but at the same time, I understand where Tack's coming from. It's kind of like a bullshit responsibility, especially when it's, it's, it's kind of like a fluff activity. To be honest, I almost prefer that over having to hear Coach Quinn give the same bullshit PC answers that clearly aren't true. Like him, him talking, th- acting like he's not mad about um, Vic not being there. Yeah. Obviously he is. Yeah. But he's not going to be able to say that, so what's the point? Right, and I think it's better than, you know, Cam Newton doing the uh, whatever he did after the Super Bowl. You know, we just kept going, next question, next question. Just pouting. Just yeah. pouting the whole time. Like, tack. That's a different form of pouting. Yeah. That was, like, after the biggest game of his life, and he was just being a little a little punk at that point. I would have preferred if he had just said, I'm sad over and over again. At least tack was just... At least he actually said something. Yeah. You know? Next question. He was just saying, yeah, I just need to get good. And I was like, that's pretty much all I need to know. Like, you want to get better? That, you pretty much told me all I need to know from that press conference. So, yeah. whatever. It's really, really not that uh, that big of a deal. And I'm happy he's at OTAs. He was a guy who had a very injury-plagued season last year who did not perform up to expectations, and he's there to... You know, it's basically like uh, our old special teams coordinator, Keith Armstrong, said on Hard Knocks when we were on Hard Knocks a few years ago. He told a player who wasn't putting in the effort or he was doing something wrong, uh, wasn't doing something as good as he could. He says, you're not good enough to be an asshole. Yeah. And Tack's taking that attitude. God, he, I hope someone's saying that exact thing to Vic Beasley. Some, some yeah. coach. Yeah. Or... Strength and conditioning coach, some psycho, needs to get in his face and say that shit to him. Because oh, that's, totally that's the agree. truth. Yeah. Like, if you think you're that good... He needs a reality check. You're not guy. the star at Clemson University anymore. It's not 2016. Yeah. You're not Grady Jarrett. Yeah. Like... I don't care where you were drafted. I don't care what you've done. You've been a, you know, hardly uh, even worth being called an NFL player. You need, to, you need to be doing what Tack's doing out there and trying to get good. Yeah. That's all you got to worry about. Just get good. Just get good. Not much else going on with the Falcons OTAs as far as I know. Only other thing, um, Gerald McCoy, who was released by the Bucks, mm-hmm. just got signed by the Panthers today. Of course. Um, so that's another guy that would have been great for us that we didn't sign. It's just an Atlanta thing, Graham. It's true to Atlanta. Totally true to Atlanta. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Fair. Disappointing. Yep. Uh, the Hawks news, apparently there's a rumor going around that we will 
potentially trade the eighth and tenth pick to the next for the third pick. Um, your thoughts? Doesn't seem worth it for any players available at three. Yeah, it's sort of like who are you training up to get? Are you training up to get Barrett? Probably. Do you think Reddish is going to be that highly valued? Um, is there anybody well, else? Reddish that? should be available at eight, probably. Yeah. Do you think that Texas Tech kid Culver might be someone you want? Is he projected to go in the top five? I don't. I don't know. Um, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe there's something there. Um, I think the big thing we know is is that the Hawks have five draft picks, and they're probably not going to use all five of them. There are going to be trades, whether it's with the Knicks or with somebody else, or if it's going to be that extreme, we don't know. But even Travis Schlenk himself said the other day, it's like, yeah, we don't want to have five rookies coming on the team. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be must watch. Must watch TV is that draft. Oh yeah, it's going to be wild. Especially if, any, if last year was anything to go off of where we, you know, traded for Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that's any indicator, Schlenk's probably got a few uh, things up his sleeve, especially when he's pretty much broadcasting that, yeah, we're not going to use all these picks. So we know. How nice does it yeah. feel to have a GM that we trust in? And we don't, I don't think Schlenk's going to blow this one way or the other. No, I agree. I think he's proven, he's, he's more than proven himself, and especially being able to find guys in the draft that you never you know, considered to be could be viable players that have turned into viable players than uh, in John Collins and, and Kevin Herter. Um, so, and he, and, he's, and he hit on Trey Young. I think Trey Young is going to be a, a, a fantastic player, and he, he really manned up over the course of the season and, and led this team very well. One of, the, uh, one of the better scoring teams in basketball last year, even though we've had a, a very uh, pedestrian record. So. so happy Trey Young turned out to be who he is. That would have just been... Such a disappointment to blow that yeah. one. Yeah, that would have that would have sucked. Especially, especially with the trade, especially with Luca. Luca playing. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, they both played. No, excellent. we're always going to have the Luca Trey argument, but at least it's like it's an argument. Yeah, it's an argument because they're both good players. It's not like oh my god, we traded away. Yeah, one it's, of the best players in the league. It's not like we took. Bust. It's not like we took Marvin Williams. And we took, could have taken Chris Paul. Right. And changed the course of the franchise. So that is the good news there. I heard some stupid rumor about us trading for Chris Paul this year. We're about. Fifteen years too late on that. Show. Yeah, to be Trey Young's backup. Nah, nah. I mean, could I'm, be worse. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. Actually, no. The more I think about it, I'm, I'm not. I'm not averse to that. It's just, what are you giving up? Uh, or is he a free agent? Uh, no, I, I think it's the Rockets kind of trying to get rid of all these pieces and contracts. Interesting. Build differently around Harden, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't even if it's if the price is right. <laughs> I can think of. You know, Chris Paul to me is still a damn starter at this point. Yeah, no, so, he definitely is. Yeah, play both of them together. Sure, maybe who knows? Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Make the move, Travis. Yeah, you heard it here first. Tried the ten pick for him. Well, I'm gonna think this wraps up <laughs> this week's episode of Atlanta Zone. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality. <laughs>